Let's take your Bibles, if you would. Let's stand together for the text that we will look at for this morning's message. It's going to be found in James chapter 1. James chapter 1, I want to turn your attention to two verses here, and then we're going to look at a passage in chapter 2. James chapter 1, let's look in verse 9 and verse 10. James 1 and verse 9, James writes here, it says, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. Look at verse 11 as well. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falls, and the grace of the fashion of it perishes. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Then look in chapter 2, James chapter 2 and verse 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the good clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do they not blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for this time of preaching. I ask that you would remove the distractions from our hearts and our minds. Help us to be open to your word. Teach us this morning and do the work in us that only you can do by your Holy Spirit. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Social status. Where one sits in the environment around us or in social circles. It's pretty big to us, actually. Who's important? Who's not? Who's special? Who's not? Who we like? Who we don't? We notice people's appearance. We notice their speech. Their apparent wealth or apparent lack of it. What somebody wears, what they drive, how they talk, how they look. In an instant, we're aware of it. Maybe you say you're not, but whether or not we realize it, we are subconsciously conscious of it. We see somebody in certain type of clothes, we notice it. We see somebody who maybe is nice and clean or maybe not, and we notice it. Well, we can say we don't notice it. Some people say that, right? I don't notice people. I don't care what people wear or what people drive. You do. Whether you realize it or not, you do. <laughs> and at a glance, we instantly make split-second judgments whether or not we want to talk to them, 
whether or not we like them, whether or not we think we'll get along with them. And you may say you don't, but you do. I do. Somebody wearing a suit and tie is going to give you a different impression than somebody wearing rags or somebody wearing jeans and boots and a hat. You're going to have a different mental estimation of that person. If you're following a Prius in traffic with a Build Back Better sticker, you're going to have different thoughts than, say, if you're following a lifted diesel 4x4 with a sticker that says they really want somebody named Brandon to succeed. (laughs) We all have those kind of personal prejudices, right? Now, you've been conditioned to hear that word only one way, prejudice. It just means a prejudgment, a preconceived opinion, something that you have already made up in your mind, and we all have them. That's the point. We all have them. Again, whether we realize that we do or not. Some people know that they have this tendency, and they're rather proud of it, and they're quick to do so, right? They like to point out the differences in other people. They like to point out what they see as flaws or what they see as shortcomings. And they like to base their estimation of somebody based solely and only on outward appearance. And they can do so on foolish things. Again, what somebody wears, what they drive, how they talk, how they look. Or even foolish enough to base those estimations on things like skin color. I just want to address that from the get-go because it can play a factor in what we're going to talk about today. I believe racism is a foolish thing. It's a foolish thing. It's rather silly when you think about it, and I want to be clear where Faith Baptist stands on this. I do not believe there are different races of human beings at all. I believe there is only one race, and that is the human race. There are most certainly different cultures, different ethnicities, different nations. The Bible uses that term, nations. It's the term ethnos, and we get our term ethnicities from it. And God in His perfect design has made us very diverse. Different skin colors, different characteristics, different cultures. But each one is the same. Each one is a human being. Made in the image of God with a spirit, a soul, and a body that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save. Period. And so to base somebody's worth on the lightness or the darkness of their skin is absolute absurdity. Racism is a foolish thing. And this scripture is clear that God loves the whole world and whosoever believeth can be saved. And that whosoever believeth means exactly what it says. It does not leave out some group of people or only include some other people. It means every last man and woman ever to live. That's who Jesus died for. So to base judgment on the color of one's skin is foolish, just as foolish as basing judgment on the outward appearance or apparent wealth. Where do we learn that? Where, where do we learn to start categorizing people or making fun of people or looking down on people? Because I don't, I don't think that's the way we start out. 
You can watch your kids play with other kids and they don't care what they're wearing. They don't care what color they are. They don't care where they come from. They just get along with people, right? But somewhere along the line, we're taught that or we learn it maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's by our upbringing or maybe it's from the world around us. We, we are taught to separate and discriminate and categorize people to different things, right? Sometimes it's a self-defense thing. See that a lot in, I don't know, high school, junior high school. You group together with people just like you and make fun of those who are not like you because you're so insecure. Other people will notice your own shortcomings. You're afraid of people noticing the flaws in you, so you're quick to point out the flaws in others that you see. And it's It can be like a bunch of teenagers that never grew up. Whatever the case, this categorizing, this personal prejudice should not be in our hearts and it has no place in the church because it's a problem. It's a problem. And it's not a recent problem and it's not a problem that's just here in our nation. Scripture talks about it from the start. Leviticus 19.15 says this, You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. For thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. But in righteousness thou shalt judge thy neighbor. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 17 says, Ye shall not respect persons in judgment, but ye shall hear the small as well as the great. Ye shall not be afraid of the face of man. And that is literally what respect of persons means in Scripture. It means to, to, to judge or to honor somebody just because of the way they appear. And here in the book of Deuteronomy, we're being told, you're not to be afraid of the face of man, for the judgment is God's. Proverbs 24 and verse 23, it is not good to have respect of persons in judgment. And Proverbs 28, 21 says the same thing. To have respect of persons is not good. Jesus himself condemned the Pharisees for practicing the very same thing. Did he not call them out? You guys love to have public approval and you do all that you can to to get that but you neglect the poor you neglect the needy and those who really need the word of god in fact they recognized that jesus did not have that in matthew chapter 22 and verse 16 there are some that come to him and say master we know that thou art true and teachest the way of god in truth neither carest thou for any man for thou regardest not the person of men This is a human tendency within our own hearts to be partial to those who seem to be more worthy of our respect or our honor based on our personal opinion. We like the way this guy looks. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to spend time with him. I don't like how they look. I'm going to stay away from them. In fact, I may may even make fun of them and talk down to them simply based on appearance or wealth or status. The command of Scripture says do not do that. We are not to have respect of persons. We are not to base our estimation of somebody's worth based on appearances. And here in our text, James gives instruction to that. And we do well to listen to it. It's a pretty simple principle. I don't need to spend a lot of time on it. But I want to look quickly at three things today. And I want to work the text 
backwards. So look in chapter 2 and verse 8 is where I want to start. Social status does not exempt anybody from being loved. Their status in society or our estimation of their status in society does not exempt them from being loved. Chapter 2 and verse 8. If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. This is like the whole point of the argument, right? And that's why I want to start with that right from the get-go. The royal law, and I love that phrase that James uses, the royal law of God says we are to love one another. Is that not what he says? If you fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. The command of God is to love. And there are no qualifications given, right? Does it say you shall love your neighbor who looks like you and talks like you and has the same interests as you and gets along with you? No. He says you love your neighbor as yourself. There's no qualifications given. He says you do that, you're in the right place. You do well. But if you fail to do that, if you have respect to persons, what does it say we do? We commit what? Sin. If you have respect to persons, you commit sin. When we fail to do this, or more accurately, when we choose not to do this, then we're sinning and we face conviction of that guilt, right? If you have respect to persons, verse 9, you commit sin and are convicted of the law as transgressors. I hope that hits us. I hope that causes us to pause because most times we don't give a rip. We're going to do what we want to do and we don't care what anybody says, including God. I'm not going to talk to that guy. Right? Maybe we ought to consider the royal law of the God of creation and the weight of that coming down when we willingly disobey. In fact, just... Just a preview for what's coming. Look at verse 13. For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. That's a pretty scary passage. To face judgment from God without mercy because we ourselves did not show mercy because we willingly went against the law. This is pretty big. A simple statement of loving others as ourself and in doing so we're being right with God and to sin against that, to willingly choose not to do that brings the judgment of God. A simple concept like that should be at the basis for all of our actions. The royal law of God, which I believe is the whole of Scripture, tells us to love each other, to love those around us without a respect of person. And the royal law of God does not hold anyone in respect. Does it not call us all under sin and tell us we all need the free gift of salvation that's offered in Christ? The Scripture does not respect social status. It gets right to the heart of the matter, tells us what we need to know. So then why do we hold other people higher than others? Why do we treat other people better than others? 
To do so is wrong. And James is going to explain it. Look in verse 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Again, that phrase means to estimate somebody by their face, to consider their outward appearance. Do not practice your faith in a prejudiced manner. Do not hold the faith of God in a way that prefers some above others. And how is this happening? Look at verse 2. If there comes unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come also a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect to him that wears the good clothing, and saying to him, Here, you sit in this good place, and you say to the poor, Stand over there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? People coming into their place of worship and they are giving them a preferred seating or preferred treatment based solely on their appearance. This guy looks nice and clean. He's going to get the good place. This guy is in rags. You stand over there. Or you can sit down here in the place of Lowly people. Preferred seating based on appearance. Preferred treatment based on appearance. Here, you look good. Sit by me. I'll talk to you. I'll say hi. I'll shake your hand. Because you seem nice and you talk well and I think I could like you. I think I'll talk to you because I think I like you. The other one, oh, that's pastor's job. He gets to talk to them. I ain't going near him. Why? Because they look weird. They talk weird. They smell funny. So, not me. Yeah, no thanks. Is that not judging someone with an evil thought or a wrong thought? It is. It is. And we do this all the time if we're not careful. And this attitude has damaged the church of God in many ways. I pray that Faith Baptist does not ever become a country club to where it's a place only for the clean and the similar and the familiar. Hey, you look like me. Come on in. No. Let it become, if it's not already, and let it stay more like a hospital. An emergency triage that brings in the shattered, the broken, the bleeding, and the messy. Those that need Christ because their eternity and their life depends on it. And this church must be a place that welcomes them with open arms and shares the healing message of the gospel for their soul. And it points them to Christ who can make them whole. Not a place of sideways glances and comments made under our breath. God forgive us if we get to that point. God forgive me if I get to that point. Because that is holding the faith of God with respect to persons. And that is a transgression of the royal law of Scripture. The church is a place for everyone, no matter what place they hold in society, even if it's low places. Because you know what? That's exactly who God likes to build His church with. Look in verse 5. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world 
to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which is promised to them that love Him. But you have despised the poor. Isn't it the rich ones who oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Aren't they the ones that blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? James is saying, look, look around you. God has chosen the lower people of society to be the ones who are rich in faith and those who will inherit the kingdom of God. And any in-depth look at Scripture will show you this. The church has never really been a who's who of the world, has it? It's never been really impressive to look at. It's made up of a bunch of everyday men and women. Yeah, there's some rich and notable people recorded in Scripture, like Joseph of Arimathea. He was a pretty, um, pretty rich guy, or even Nicodemus. But most of them, it's just like you and me, right? Doesn't Paul say that in his letter to Corinth? Look around. It's not many mighty and not many so-called wise people or famous people. It's just normal people. Normal people that God has chosen. People like you and me to be rich in faith. So let's be careful before we start having respect of persons or start judging people based on outward appearance. You know that one you would cast a side glance at could be the next warrior of the faith? could be the next pastor of one of his churches, and who are we to judge? Quite often, the trouble comes from the impressive, if you want to call that, of the world. The law of God, the law of His love, says that we must treat all people equally. And our personal prejudices or their so-called social status does not exempt anyone from that. We are to love all people as God loves them. Right? But we get caught up in silly things and we emphasize the wrong things and we get infatuated by things that do not save us and really in the end they don't mean much. And I want to make this point here because James makes it. I want you to notice not only does social status not exempt anyone from being loved, it does not exempt anyone from trials. Look in chapter 1. Let's go back to chapter 1 and verse 8. Excuse me, verse 9. Look at verse 9 and the first part of verse 10. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low. Now, this is set in a discussion about trials. And by the leading of the Holy Spirit, James takes time to call out the differences in society. And he, I think he makes a pretty simple and understandable point, And we need to make it as well because it leads to the final one. Social status may be important to us, but it doesn't exempt us from life. Social status does not exempt anybody from trials. Trials don't care if you're rich or you're poor. Fame doesn't get anybody out of life. Because you read about so-called famous people facing cancer, right? Or Alzheimer's or 
marital problems. Rich people have marital problems, sometimes more than regular people. Those in high positions deal with mental decline or physical decline. Trials do not care. In fact, trials can be an equalizer. James says the believer who is poor can rejoice in being exalted in trials. Well, how so? Because he knows that the Lord of glory himself is there to help us through it. What more could you want when you have God there with you, helping you through the hard times of life? He also says that the believer who has earthly wealth can rejoice when he is brought down a few notches, knowing that though riches fail, God does not. We do well not to get caught up in the idea that money does away with trouble. Like if I could just be rich and I could just have this money and I could do that, everything's going to be fine. (laughs) No, trials happen to everyone regardless of wealth. We get so caught up on social status and things of this world, we need to remember that the hard times of life shows no judgment and neither should we. especially because of what follows. And this is the final point for this morning. And hopefully the one that sits us in our hearts. James 1 and the end of verse... Well, let's just read verse 10 into verse 11. But the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withers the grass and the flower thereof falls. And the grace of the fashion of it perishes, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. It's pretty descriptive and pretty harsh, right? But it's true. We all pass from this life, we all die. No matter how much we have or how much we don't have, This day comes for all of us, and it comes sooner than you think. Man, I I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older or what, but the days seem to be flying by very quickly. It's Thanksgiving already. (laughs) And to me, that's crazy. It seemed like it was March just last week. Time flies. I'm 40, almost 41, probably according to Scripture, past the halfway point of my life. And if the Lord tarries or He has grace on me, maybe I'll live another 30 or 40 years, but sure seems like the days are ticking by. It doesn't slow down because we have money. It doesn't slow down because we might be in a certain social bracket. There is coming a day when I will pass from this life and that day is coming for you too. In fact, it's coming for all around us. And most of us have come to peace with that, right? If we know Christ as Savior, we have a certain peace about that. You know, I'd like to have certain things. I'd like to live certain places. I'd like to experience certain things. But I ultimately know what eternity holds for me. It's joy and peace forever with Christ. And that is a rock-solid foundation in my 
soul and my very being. And though we may face hard times in this life, I know this life is the worst it's ever going to get for me. Forever for me will be blessing and joy and peace. I hope you have that hope in your heart because you've trusted Christ as Savior. But it gives us this kind of heavenly vision that we can see past here and now, right? That yeah, it might be hard, political things might not be like I would like them to be, we may see things happening that concerns us, I may not have what I want or be able to do what I want or whatever, but we can look past it to see heaven's coming and we know what eternity holds and someday I enter into that joy and peace. We have that ability in our hearts, but sometimes we let outward appearances stop that vision. Because we see how somebody looks, we fail to see what God can do in their life or what God can do in their heart. If we really consider what's being said here and we really let it sink in, I think it's going to change how we view people wholesale. Everyone you meet, everyone you know, everyone in your life, each and every one of them will die and enter into eternity someday. Period. I don't care if they got a lot. I don't care if they got nothing. They will enter eternity someday. And we believe what Scripture says when it says that if one passes from this life without trusting in Jesus Christ as Savior, they will spend forever in a devil's hell, a place of torment and pain and darkness and loneliness, separated from God forever. And each person that you and I know are just a heartbeat away from that. No matter if they have millions or if they have nothing. No matter if their life is in order and they seem to have it together or if their life is a total mess and train wreck. No matter if their skin is white or black or brown or blue or purple. It doesn't matter. That is true for each and every human being. Do we care? Or do they look too funny for us to talk to? Are they too weird for us to talk to? God forgive that kind of a heart. If that is true for each person that we know, that means they need to hear and believe the gospel. They need to hear of the salvation that is offered in Jesus Christ, no matter if you like them or not, no matter if you think they are savable or not. Does not Scripture say that God does not look on the outward appearance, but on what? On the heart, doesn't He? So why do we? Because outward appearance could lead us to the wrong conclusions. We could say, well, they'll never believe or they'll never come to church. Well, you could have said the same thing about Nicodemus, right? 
could have said the same thing about Saul of Tarsus. You could have said the same thing about a bunch of dirty and rough fishermen. Or of the suicidal Philippian jailer. But God saved them, didn't He? Which means He can save everyone you meet, and in fact, He wants to. Which means we are called to bring the gospel to them. Our personal prejudices have no place in the work of God. And it's an easy trap to fall into. And we need to realize that regarding someone because of outside appearance is a failure to love them as God does. We ought to love them enough to reach out. Enough to show mercy on them as God has shown mercy to us. A little mercy and grace goes a long way, doesn't it? After all, hasn't God showered mercy and grace upon us? Romans 3.22 says this, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, there, for there is no difference. The righteousness of God comes by faith in Jesus Christ upon everyone who believes. There is no difference. There's no difference. All can be saved if they will believe. You think God cares about how much money somebody has? You think God cares about their social status? He does not. He looks to the soul. He looks to the spirit and what matters. And beloved, so should we. It's easy when the The message of the day is to categorize and to separate and to segregate people into all these different camps that they're telling us we can't get along and we can't uh, coexist or whatever it may be. We need to step back from all of that, turn some of that off and realize we are called to love the world around us with a love that God has for them to see past the outward appearance, to see their eternal need and be ambassadors of Christ to them. So how about we stop making snap judgments on people based on how they look or how they sound and love them like God does? How about we seek to share the gospel with those in our life who may be radically different from us. Yeah, they might be messed up, and they might have some serious roadblocks in their life, and they may require help. They may require humbling. They may need a lot of things. But their primary need is salvation. Their primary need is the love of God, which can be felt if we treat people with love and grace and mercy. And we treat them equally. It's a pretty simple point this morning. There is no room in the church for respect of persons. We ought to be quick to reach out and to welcome all within these doors. And if that makes you uncomfortable, perhaps we need to repent of some personal prejudices prejudices that we hold in our heart. Let me reiterate What James says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. I want to simply end with this. 
Let's not have that in our heart. If we do find a heart, if we do find that within our heart, let's be quick to repent of it. And that, that goes for, for our own uh, personal views of Scripture as well, because there are some who will um, keep themselves from coming to God because they think they're too good or they might think they're too far gone. That is equally not true. All of us need to be saved. And God in His mercy and love has provided the way that you can be saved from hell eternally. And that is by Christ dying for your sins. Family doesn't get you there. Money doesn't get you there. Good deeds mean nothing. It is only by Christ and faith in Him. That is the message that saved us, isn't it? And it is the message that each and every person around us needs. I pray the words would be helpful this morning.